When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again! Quick oh! Barger tries it, don't know, long we over, oh, what a goal! What a goal! It's Lucius McCulloch, saved it in! Barry Ferguson! Don't miss again, and it's there! Hartley and Weir comes up, Jets! In part one, Stuart McCall reminisced about Italia 90 and Euro 92 when Scotland were one of only eight teams in the continent to perform at the finals. In part two, it's all about Euro 96, where Scotland came so close to making it out of the group stage of a major tournament for the first time. We'll skip over the 94 qualifiers. We didn't make it on that occasion, so let's move to 96. Craig Brown was the manager now. There for the 96 qualifiers, was that quite a seamless transition? Yeah, I think so. Oh, by the way, now you're saying that 96, that might have been the 2 2 Switzerland one. Um, gosh, I can't remember we played that many. But, I've got, um, I've, I've, I checked it up, the 2 2 was, was definitely in the, the previous one from 2 0 down. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. All oh, right, okay, yeah, because yeah, that was a big one. Um, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, when, when did Andy go after? Was Did Andy go then after 94 when we never qualified? Did he go then? I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure he did. I don't and, want to get shown. Sorry, and Craig that. must have then taken over for the for the try to qualify us for the Euro '96. Mm-hmm. But listen, the, the, the pressure was on. It, it, we, you, we're playing it. We're playing the tournaments in England. You know, you've got to be there. It was a blow, obviously, '94 not to be in America. Um, likewise, you know, England weren't there. Wales or Northern Ireland, no home uh, nations qualified. Because I, I was actually over at the World Cup in '94. Um, were you working but, media? No, no, I was holidaying. Oh, holiday, <laughs> I went see, okay. I went, I went to see Mickey and Minnie in the football afternoon. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, we just had to be there for Euro 96. And um, again, you know, some great memories of it. Yeah, well, the uh, the group again, I, I kind of would liken it to the group that Scotland have been drawn in for Qatar 22. Tough games, but no giant that you are going in thinking, well, we've pretty much got very little chance here. Unless... Unless I'm wrong, you, you can correct me on that. Was, we had the Pharaohs in San Marino as the, the the minnows, and then Finland, Greece, and Russia. Yeah, no, you would say. Um, and where did we finish? Did we finish second? Second, um, just behind Russia by three points, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Finland, Greece, and how how far ahead of who, who were behind us was it Greece? Greece, Greece, Scotland finished on twenty three, and Greece finished on eighteen. Oh. Right, so we were. I don't. Did we win in Greece? I don't think we'd have won in Greece. I think we won Greece, all- again. I think that the the only defeat of that qualifying campaign for Scotland was in Greece, and it was a penalty, um, kind of halfway through the group. Ah, so, we, so that means we drew in Russia then. Well, yeah, I think we, uh, we drew, drew both, both drew, drew both games against Russia. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that was tight. Yeah. Yeah. We got beaten in Greece. All right, but yeah, no, it was again. It was it was one that the, you know. 
double header, as I said before, not qualifying in 94. And then, you know, with it being his own back garden, you know, down at England, we, we just needed to be there for the supporters and that. So that definitely added a sense of expectation and pressure, knowing that the Euros was just over the border. Yeah, oh yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, it was, it was drummed into us all along. I think even in team meetings and that, you know, we, 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 it's, we've got to be there. We've just got to do everything we can. Um, did Russia finish quite ahead of us? So it was, Let me see, I've got the table here. Russia on 26, Scotland on 23. So not yeah. really significantly far no, no. ahead, no. No. Uh, so I, I just want, I'm just trying to think if it, we, we looked as though we were always going to qualify with a few games to go. But um, Well, again, again, yeah. Scotland had San Marino in the last game. So much like what yeah. I referenced in the previous group, you're going into oh. the last game knowing you need a win. Or, yeah. and, and it's kind of yeah. done and dusted, really. I think the big one in that group, um, which I'm not sure if you played in or not, was 1-0 at home to Finland. Scott Booth scored... Um, which I think was a big victory because then it meant that okay we've got San Marino last game that's that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I remember Boo the scoring. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, and then on on to the yeah yeah then again on to the draw. Um, yeah. Can you how many how many teams were at that one? The year ninety six. That was the first one that had sixteen teams. Sixteen. Yeah. yeah four groups of four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then to be in along again with the Dutch again. Um, England and Switzerland, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so right. yeah. three three games to to really look forward to. And I, I think if we, you know, starting again and looking back, so the draws made the first games at Holland uh, against Holland. It's at Villa Park, which is a, a, a you know obviously Wembley is fantastic. Villa Park is a great stadium to play at when it's full. You know, great atmosphere, and I think that was probably one of the most colourful. Um, games of the tournament you know the Dutch had one end of the park you know obviously orange everywhere and uh, the Tartan army you know and the line rampants and everything it was just an incredible atmosphere um, not a great game not a great game dogged it out I think we would have been more happy with a nil-nil than them um, they had a few problems in the camp I think Edgar Davids went home maybe I think in, in, the, in the second game you know, they had, they had a, certainly a few um, in the dressing room, a few problems in the camp. Uh, Seedorf, I remember Seedorf and Davids were in the middle of the park. You know, so it was a tough game. It's the one where sort of John Collins hands it, hands it on the line when it, it's nodded down, it sort of hits his arm. I think VAR nowadays would have given it a penalty kick. Mm-hmm. So we got a little bit of luck with that. But overall, again, it was sort of typical Scotland, hardworking, um, dogged, and resolute and probably just about um, deserved a point. Did the game against them in 92 weigh on your minds or build you up at all? Yeah, I, th- I think, listen, they were still, a, they were still a, a top side, but I don't think they had, you know, the, the brilliance that they had um, of the 92 side. Um, I mean, I don't think Hullet would have been there. Uh, I don't know if Bergkamp was there. I can't remember if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, no, it was. I think it looked upon for us a decent, a, a good start, a good start. Having you know the previous uh, tournaments, beat against Costa Rica first game, puts us on the back foot in ninety, ninety two, beat against the Dutch. So I think the the aim was to make sure you don't start with a defeat because that is almost an uphill task. So I think it was a 
it was looked upon from our group as a, a decent start and a, a good point. When the draw was made and were put in with England, how much does the buzz just electrify? Yeah, first thing is you start thinking, gosh, I, I probably needed about 30 tickets and where am I going to get them? <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then as it gets nearer, obviously, you know, at the time we had um, we had Gaza playing for us. He got uh, changed next to me for three years. And um, yeah, but it, it was, as much as he was a Jack the Lad and, you know, he, he was quite, I think he was a little bit concerned that, you know, they were massive, uh, we were underdogs, they were obviously massive favourites going into the tournament and nobody, when it come down to the England-Scotland game, out with Scotland, give us any chance. So, um, but actually going into the, the, the England game, there was lots of direct competition, you know, big Colin Hendry was up against Alan Shearer, Blackburn uh, teammates, um, Teddy Sheringham against Col- Colin Calderwood, Tottenham teammates, directly in competition, and me and Gaza, obviously, um, Rangers teammates. So there was a little sort of individual battles going on within the game as well. Um, but yeah, it was a, a it was a game that we were we were just again the pressure. There was no pressure. The more pressure is on England because the tournaments at their place and they're expected. And they started off Paul in their eyes with a draw home to Switzerland. So there was a lot of pressure, media pressure. He's picking the wrong team, Terry Venables, he shouldn't play. So there was a, and obviously had the backlash of what had gone on in Hong Kong with the dentist chair and all the booze gate and everything. So the media really had it in for England at the time. So the, the, there was a lot of pressure on England going into it. And uh, we were just going there to, you know, actually do his best and hopefully, you know, pull a result out. Did you have to take care of Gaza on the park that night? Was that your role? No, not really. Not really, no. Um, I think when you look at the, the, their lineup, um, the one thing you see, you look at it nowadays, and I think there's a lack, lack of sort of leaders um, in the game. You know, I think that's one thing in the game these days that the leadership qualities of a lot of people have diminished. But I remember looking, obviously, Seaman in goal. I think Neville was only young, you know, but he's ended up, you know, taking leadership. Stuart Pierce, Paul Ince, Shearer. Um, Southgate played in the middle of the park. Southgate played a little bit deeper with Ince and Gascoigne, sharing him up top with Shearer, you know. So they had they had some top, top players, McManaman, you know, but they had some leaders as well. And they, they, were, a, they were a strong outfit. But the actual game itself, the first half, um, you know, we give as good as we got. In fact, I, 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 again, with lockdown not happening not long ago, last year they showed you all the tournaments again and I watched the, the Scotland-England game back and I thought second half England would... It, it were only a period of 15 minutes England were better for. And, and over the piece, you know, we, we were unfortunate. We really were. Well, there was the sliding doors moment with McAllister's penalty and then Gaza scoring a matter of yeah. minutes later. Mm. I, th- I think the key, we, c- we come in at half-time. In fact, when the referee blew his whistle, there was a bit of a, a few boos around there. Uh, Round Wembley through England supporters because they'd not played well at all. We'd stifled the game, but had a couple of decent opportunities. Well, not decent opportunities. We had more opportunities on goal than they did. I don't think they'd had a, an attempt at goal. Um, but the key was at half time, as we're just coming back out, um, somebody shouts down, oh, um, red naps on. And oh, who's he on for? Then we couldn't find who'd come off and who'd come on. And in the end, they, they took Stuart Pierce off and put Red Nap on in the middle of the park and put Southgate back because they went with a back three. 
I think the back three was was Neville, funny enough, Pierce and Adams were the back three. Um, and they changed it. And for the 15 minutes, and they changed Darren Ander and the McManaman on swap sides, I think. For 15 minutes, it caught us cold and they, they started getting in down the right-hand side and Neville puts a crossover and Shearer scores at the, the back stick. But the, like I said, it's just how, how your memory plays tricks on you because I thought second half, you know, England were, were far better and, you know, deserved it because we scored the two goals. But when you look at it, we then actually take control back of the game. Um, Gordon Judy has a great head that Seaman claws it out from the, the, the right in the postage stamp. Fantastic save. Andy Gorham has one really good save, I think, from Sheringham. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's an even game. We then, uh, I remember getting played in down the right. I, I cut the ball back. Gordon Jury just gets there before Adams. Uh, clear penalty kick. And uh, Gary Mack steps up. And that's it. I suppose any penalty that you don't score, people will say it's a bad penalty. But there's penalties that you think, by the way, you've got to give the keeper credit. Or there's penalties that are poor, not hit with enough power, down the middle, whatever it may be. You look at the penalty kick, Gary hits, he hits it with a bit of a whiz, he hits it fairly high, not right in the corner. But Seam actually goes with one arm and it hits him on his left elbow. You know, so it's, it's people, you know, and I know Gary after that got a little bit stick, anyone can miss penalty kicks, but it, it wasn't a, a weak penalty. He hits it firm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I'm not saying he gets luck, Seaman, but as I said, he, he dies with one arm and he, and he catches him on his bumming opposite arm's elbow and then he goes over for a corner. But what a lot of people don't know at that stage, we got told after by the staff is, you know, if the corner goes in, Terry Venables is making a change and Gazza's coming off. He had a relatively, well, he had had a quiet game for Gazza's, um, Gazza's qualities. Um, and at the side of the pitch, they were getting the numbers ready. Gazza was coming off and I don't know who was coming on. Um, but obviously the corner comes in, it gets cleared, they get a kick, it gets knocked on, and uh, obviously Gaza scores one of, one of the goals of the tournament. It's funny because when you look back at it now, and especially when it's been shown recently, um, I always get pulled up for it, even my pal sitting there, oh, look at you, because I'm stood there pointing at Gaza and making a forward run. I'm always one, to, I've always talked, I always about, talk about midfielders, it's not just about going forward, you've got to track your runners. But in the, where we were playing against England, we had three centre-halves. We played three at the back and Sheringham used to always come back from a centre-forward play into a number 10 role. And if any of the forward midfielders went forward, they would get picked up by one of our three centre-backs. So that's my get-out and I'm sticking to it. But it, it's true. So Gaza was started deep. He'd run on. And um, unfortunately, we, we never we never sorted him early enough. And uh, listen, it's, it's a great bit of skill. And uh, from his point of view and England's point of view, it's... You know, it's a good goal, but um, it was a huge blow that because, like I say, you know, it's difference between going to one all and us on top at that time. We certainly deserved to get back into the game, and as I said, it was different to what I thought. I thought we were under the cost, but we weren't. And they get that goal, they sit on it, and you know, unfortunately, we can't uh, can't get one back. But you know, I think think what the bad memory of that game, other than the football, was the halftime. Uh, it was seven, eight thousand uh, Scotland fans in the corner, and they just sang and parted all the way through uh, the halftime thing. And uh, a couple of pals that I had at the game was, was an incredible atmosphere. But unfortunately, we couldn't um, send them home happy. And uh, yeah, it was a sore one. That was that one of the the proudest occasions of your career, walking out the tunnel to that a European 
championship game against England at Wembley with so many Scotland fans there to make proud? Well, it, it did because it cast my mind back to when I'd been there in 81, although, mm-hmm. you know, I think at that time we had seven, 8,000. I think when I went down, it was 70,000 Scots were in the stadium. <laughs> we used to just take over Wembley. Um, and that's no lie. I think there were, there were 60, 70,000 Scots who used to go to the games um, down there. Uh, but yeah, you know, the, the and, and I think after the game, both the supporters got a lot of plaudits and us as a team got a reasonable bit of plaudits because, you know, we'd, we'd give England more than, not say more than a match, we'd give them an, an equal match. Um, and obviously the difference was, you know, Shearer and Gascoigne who, you know, have got, you've got to admit in their prime been both world-class players. How did you pick yourselves up from that defeat? Did you keep spirits high okay? <laughs> yeah. We we we, we travelled back to... Um, we travelled about this, this, this story. So the England game, obviously, is down at Wembley. We've got to come back to the Midlands because we're the base and we're, we're playing Switzerland on the Tuesday. But um, prior to that and the game... You know, before the game, as I said, I just focus on the game. I don't, I don't go chatting to people. I saw Gaza on pitch, but I don't. I just go look at the surface, look at this, and, and get on, get, get my mind ready for the game of football. And uh, I saw Darren Jackson speaking to Gaza because he used to play with him at Newcastle and Coyce speaking to him, etc., etc. Anyway, the game goes ahead. Half time comes, and you watch it. Gaza's actually made a forward run, and he's the furthest one. He's the nearest to our goal, and he's the furthest one away. And the whistle blows for. He was offside. The whistle blows for half time. So we've then got to go down the other side to, to the tunnel behind um, behind the goal. And Gaz, as I say, furthest, way, furthest one away from the, from the tunnel of the dressing rooms. So as we're going off, I'm just behind the thing and there's like concrete and, and I can hear all this big part of it. And I thought there was a bit of scuffling with some of the players. I turned around really quick and it's Gaza running down at full pelt, studs on the thing. And he gets to me. Um, bearing in mind, they've just been sort of booed off. He takes his shirt off, gives me his shirt. He says, yeah, that's for your little girl. And I'm like, I'd never asked for this shirt. Never, you know. Um, and then he runs down the, the tunnel and goes to his dressing room. I got my dressing room. I've got Gaza's shirt. Just put it in my bag. Um, because the, the night before, um, on a TV show, you know, I'd said, you know, my daughter, um, born in England, obviously once Scotland, lived in Scotland, um, Gaza were a favourite player at Rangers she just watched Gaza all the time loved him and he, she wanted the game to finish three all or something both getting a hat-trick now I've got more chance of getting a hat-trick of throws and a hat-trick of coming goals but <laughs> I think but, um, but he must have seen it I never said she wanted a shirt and he just come up to me so that, that's just sort of a little insight into him how he, how he goes about and he's most sort of generous yeah. um, because I've not even asked for his shirt so I said Gaza and Coy said asked for it anyway cut long story short I get his shirt put it in the bag so just talking about what had happened after it. So we're on the bus heading back up to the Midlands. Um, uh, where were we? I can't remember where we were staying, but we're in the Midlands somewhere. And uh, halfway up the, the thing, we're at the back of the bus and everyone's a little bit. Coisty pulls out Gaza's shirt and says, well, you know, at least I, I got um, I got Gaza's shirt. And I sort of turned on him and went, can't believe it. Why would you take somebody's shirt that's probably scored the goal that's knocked us out of the tournament? And then some of the lads started laughing. Oh, don't yeah. just, you know. I went, no, it's, just, it's out of order. And everyone's thinking, oh, wait a minute, it's just not like, you know, not like me to be. I says, now, if you'd have took this one and I pulled the original shirt out, I says, and then you've got the original one, that's fair enough, but don't take one that's he scored against. <laughs> <laughs> I 
So, so we go back. We go, we go back, and um, naturally everyone's, you know, a little bit uh, disappointed. But Craig comes and says, "Right, you've got a telly upstairs. Um, you have a few drinks. There's a bar up there. Just, um, you know, just go and sort of unwind." And naturally, Craig come and had a drink. And then we watched. I think it was Matt today, and, and fair play to Gary Mack. He went down to the studio in the Midlands and did a live link up with um, somebody from the, it must have been BBC, um, and fronted up. You know, he's just missed a penalty, probably the most disappointing man in the country, and he's gone and done a thing. So we've waited for him to come back after that. We all sung his name, the spirit's good. And uh, yeah, so then the focus is now, you know, we've just got to go on Tuesday and, and win, and we've still got a possibility. So it's a thin one, but we've still got a chance. And let's at least, doing what we've done in the last two tournaments, win a game. Let's see if we can win a game. Um, and everything was then then uh, focused on that. Was the, well, the, let's say the preferred option, either option would have been fine, but was the expectation that you would beat Switzerland by the required number of goals or that England would thump Holland? No, none. I don't think any. I don't think anyone would say, I think, Switzerland had drawn against England. Um, I don't know what they've done against. Obviously, they got beat um, against the Dutch. Might be by a few goals. I'm not sure. Two 0 maybe. But no, I don't. I don't think there were a case because we don't score many goals. So I don't think there were ever a case of we were going to win by three because it it, it it never happened uh, unless we were playing, as you said before, a San Marino or a Faroe Islands or something like that. Um, and I, and nobody could have ever seen England or Holland being decided by. Uh, you know the the goals that were you know a swing of four goals. So no, I think the aim for us was to go and try to win the game and and put a smile on people's faces and play well and and that. And again, having the um, luxury of able to watch it back only about six months ago, we play really well. You know that was a, a because I was thinking when I'm playing for Scotland, we've always been underdogs in most of the games apart from you know the the lesser teams that we've just mentioned. And it, it, it's always been more sort of about spirit, endeavour, desire, um, being hard to beat and, and maybe getting, you know, corners and free kicks or whatever. But that day against Switzerland, we went out there and played probably one of the best games, you know, Scotland played in a long time, as in going forward and creating chances. You know, we're crossing balls in and we're getting in and, you know, Koishi should have actually scored two two goals prior to his goal, which was a world in the, in the top corner, fantastic goal, um, to put us 1-0 up. But it was, um, yeah, I, I think that day um, we just came out. And it, it, again, it was similar to the CIS game. You, 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 we, had, like, we had everything to lose, but, you know, we had to go out and, and try to score as many goals as we could. And, you know, from the first minute to the last, that's what we did. And, um, you know, I thought we put in a really, really strong performance. And, you know, we're unfortunate. We, sh- we should have scored more. On the, on the day without a doubt. Well, England put, uh, sorry, Shearer put England 1-0 up and then it wasn't too long after that that, that McCoy scored that screamer for us. So at that moment, are you aware of what's happening in the England game and pushing on and knowing, right, okay, here we go, that this yeah. could be happening for us? Yeah, you, you always get a sense. You get you, you can feel above. You go to take a throw in, and people are shouting, "Oh no, England have won the lot!" But you still don't think down there. You, th- you still think it's got to be us. We've then got to go on. It's, it's got to be about us. We need to win by two or three. If England can win by two, brilliant. But we've got to make sure because I can't see 
in your head you can't see England um, you know, rampaging the way they did against Holland because they've, they've not hit the heights. They've not played well against Switzerland. They've not played particularly well against us, although they've got two good goals. Um, so, but then as the game goes on, as you say, you know, 2-0, and next minute you can hear a buzz around the stadium, 3-0, and you go to then take a, a throw-in again or whatever it may be, and, and, and people are absolutely dancing about. But the, the thing is there then, when it goes to 4-0, um, we're, we're through at, the, at that moment in time. But also bearing in mind that if Switzerland scored a couple of goals, they can be the same. You know, they can flip it. Because they were, they were. I mean, I remember Gordon having one unbelievable save as well, again, in that. We, we've had a lot of play, but they're still in it. They're steadily injured. And they're putting on strikers. They're taking defenders off and putting on strikers. They're trying to win the game, which sort of helped us a little bit because it, it was just an end-to-end game. So when it gets to 4-0 and we're 1-0 up, um, in fact, I think when it, when, it, when England were 3-0 up, that's right, we pushed Colin Hendry up front because we needed another goal. We needed a five-goal swing, didn't we? And then next minute, the crowd up and Craig's on the sideline and uh, Alec Miller telling big Colin to get back. So Colin's gone then gone back to a... Um, because imagine if England had won four all and we lose a goal and Switzerland draw and we draw one each and we're out because we've been gung-ho when we don't need to be. So it's now 4-0 England, 1-0 us. And, they, you know, we're still trying to score. Um, and then not long after, boom, you can, oh, it's a bit of, you've gone quiet. So you sort of sense, and you're looking over and, again, get Big Hendry back up, up, up the front. Uh, and, and then in your mind, you know, certainly mine was, right, we need a goal. But by trying to get a goal, if we just, like, gung-ho, like imagine if England scored another goal in the last minute and they win fine. And we've then gone... So it was a really difficult one. But we just continued to play how we played all the game. We just... Every time we got the ball, we tried to score. You know, I can remember it with, like, attack after attack. And at times, we did leave ourselves open. Um, but I don't think we could have done any more. As in, I don't think it was... Even when we went to 4-0, even though Colin ended naturally, you're not, you're not going to keep your centre-half and percent forward. Um, naturally came back. I don't think we could have done any more in the game. Attempts on goal... You know, nearly, not quite, just almost, you know, typical Scotland again, nearly, but not quite, unfortunately. Was that an absolute roller coaster being on the park, having information being thrown down at you from the stands, from the dugout? You're yeah. trying to win your own game while also bearing in mind what's happening between the Dutch and England? Yeah, because, like I said, I'm a little bit more, I'm not saying intellectual, but I always look at both ways. Everyone's thinking, oh, we need another goal, we need another goal. But yeah, especially with, the area of the park I had to play in. So I had to probably allow, you know, John Collins and Gary Mack to go forward a little bit more and try to be one. But that went out the window as well because my nature, even though as I got older, was to be more of a sitting midfielder. I enjoyed just, just as much as getting forward and trying to... And then you're thinking, can you, can you be the one that gets the goal, that gets you through and things like that? But you also had to play with a little bit of intelligence because um, the full-backs were bombing on, as I say, Colin Andrew were up there and... Um, so we also, I was always, personally, I was mindful of not going stupid, trying to get a goal, everybody, um, and losing one. Because like I said, Switzerland, Switzerland scored two late on. If England win 4-0 and Switzerland scored two late on, they go through. So, um, yeah, it was it was a roller coaster. But again, it's, it's another one you look back on and we come away with that with a lot of plaudits because of the way, certainly the way we played against um, 
Switzerland. I mean, the the the, the fans were were outstanding, and it's just that. You know, and and, and people go, oh God, England's let us down. Now England are like <laughs> nobody could foresee England winning by three goals. They're four nil up, unfortunately. And what made it worse when you see the goal that they scored? I think it was Cliver, a bobbly one that just goes through Seaman's legs. It comes out and it's oh, you know what I mean. But um, yeah, again, just a, another glorious failure. Unfortunately, was it was it total deflation at full time after that Switzerland game, or was there still? head held high that you'd gone out and completed your end of the task yeah I think again there was pride that, that we managed the victory you know what I mean I think we always when you go into them tournament three games you've got to try at least get a win give give the country something to enjoy um, what I do remember I remember and I don't know where it was if he was still well, been playing and doing managing I remember Gordon Strachan being the, one of the first ones in the dressing room and went round every player saying you know what a performance should be proud of what you've done you know, you've give everyone everything today. You, you, as I said, the performance was never a one nil game. It should have been about four one. You know, they've had opportunities, but we had some great opportunities. And I think that's probably one of the most enjoyable games again, um, playing wise. Because I always look back, as I said before, that we're, we're dogged and things like that. But we actually played with a lot of flair and a lot of skill. And um, yeah, we it was an enjoyable and, and again it was an enjoyable tournament, but. Um, one soon after the I can't get away quick enough then because I don't want to be in and around it when if England are going on to win it so I think not long after I went over to see my pals Mickey and Minnie again and, and got out of the way <laughs> I've, I've, uh, I've had a message in um, this morning from one of the Twitter followers Clark Gillis who has quite suggestively asked me to query you on the Euro 96 barbecue story do you know what he means? I haven't got a clue. Um, what he's probably meaning, I don't know, it's not like a barbecue story, I wouldn't have thought. I think um, on the Saturday night um, prior, I, 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 you know, we, we, as I said, we went back to the place and we've all had a, in fact, I didn't have a beer. It was a white, white wine and uh, lemonade spritzes. So um, as the night's going on, and we're waiting for Gary to come on to the, um, on the TV. I'm watching the goal and I'm watching the sort of game come in and that. Um, and we're having a chat and that. So I uh, I think I'd had about maybe five wines or something like that. Everyone else is having beer and whatever it may be. It wasn't a lot of pipes, it was just a. And, I, and, I, and I, in my head, there were like sort of three things like the, the, the next day, the Sunday, was um, I think it was Father's Day. And everyone, all the kids were coming up. My kids couldn't manage to come down from Scotland, so the, the kids were there on the on the Sunday on the barbecue. We'd been beat by our main rivals, which was sore. And in the back of my mind, when I went to bed that night, I was um, thinking, "We need to beat Switzerland. We need to score some goals. So will will they change? Even though I thought I'd done okay in the two previous games, in your mind you're thinking, "Will he go more attack-minded, Craig, and, and put more attack-minded midfield players on?" So. Um, I was a little bit thinking, but uh, no, I, I, the the barbecue that we had on the Sunday was um, wasn't. I think the, the thing, nothing untoward happened. Not untoward, nothing happened at the barbecue. <laughs> I remember, I remember playing. Uh, I remember playing table tennis. I think it was we, we Spenny or John Collins about seven o'clock, and uh, Craig, you know, pulled me and he says because I think he sensed that a little bit. 
disappointed and he just says, listen, get yourself a good night's sleep. He says, you know, you, you start on Tuesday. So that just, I thought, yeah. oh, fantastic. Because like I said, this, just probably the negative side of me thinking, you know, because we needed to to, uh, to win the game quite well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't probably play. But uh, so that was that. Was that. It'd be interesting. What it was, who did you say? It was Clark Gillis. Yeah, Clark Gillis, yeah. So whenever you're listening to this, Clark, you can send us a tweet and fill us in here on what it is that you're, you're on about. Yeah. Yeah, Stuart clearly hasn't... Uh, Hasn't stayed up there in his memory for this one. Um, yeah, so I remember there was a big. I remember there was a big. Obviously, barbecue. I remember all the the, the um, families were there. But uh, no, I think it was just a pretty crappy day after the, the the getting beat the day before. Okay, well, again, how do you reflect on that tournament as a whole? The missed opportunity, great career high. No, it, again. It, you know, when you, you look back and um, people would say, do you know what? Uh, Dutch game, all right. Didn't play great, but got what you wanted. It. England game, everyone will go back to the penalty, which I think is a bit unfair on Gary. But, you know, apart from 15-minute spell, against a side that's in, were, you know, man for man better than us. You know, let, let's let's be honest, we were underdogs. Um, give as good as we got. And against Switzerland, putting a fantastic performance. So I don't think it was, you look back with regret and say, no, we didn't play to his best because I think in most of the games, you know, we, we reached a level where we were, we did enough, um, you know, just, just not, not quite enough. But I think a lot of people, a lot of players came back with their reputations, you know, decent because, um, you know, we, we, we put in, and I, and again, I always say, look back and, you know, when, when fans travel or watch games, you know, you might not qualify, but can you look back and say, gosh, I remember that game. That was brilliant. Remember when we won that? Remember when we beat Sweden? Remember when we beat the CIS? Remember when we beat Switzerland? So at least we had good memories to look back on. I can draw a comparison to that with my uh, experience growing up supporting Scotland. Um, so it's it's moments in isolation that I look back on. Maloney's goal against Ireland, uh, McFadden's goal against France. Yes, ultimately, yeah. Yeah. sadly, they didn't count for anything but a memory in the end. But you just have to kind of hold them close and treasure them because we didn't know when the next time we would get to our tournament would be. Thankfully, now we've only got a month to go. Yeah, that that's absolutely spot on. Yeah, I mean, I, I can go back to the the World Cup games and that beating Zaire, Peter Lorimer, you know, volley seventy four, whatever it was, and um, you know, and, and 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 games that we've we've managed to win, and although we haven't gone any further. Um, but we've had Holland. I mean, you know, to beat Holland three yeah. two or three, we're not without Yemel's goal. You know, you don't look back at that and go, "Oh, well, yeah, we were unfortunate because we were at three one. If we get another goal, we're through." You look back at that and say, "We actually played the Dutch, who were an unbelievable team. We actually goal, and it, it, it was it was incredible." Um, so yeah, there's there's always. I think if you can get a win, you always look back at life and think, "Yeah, we put in a performance, and, and we at least." You know, for one part of the tournament, we're, we've sent the punters home happy. You were early 30s at Euro 96. You, you played, when that finished and we move on to the 98 qualifiers, you played a couple of games in the qualifiers against Latvia and Austria and then played a friendly against Denmark um, just before the tournament. Did it just start to fizzle out for you, um, changing of the, the guard at all? No. Um, I'd come back off, you know, uh, 96 and we had the first game in Austria and we drew 0-0 and I 
And I, I, I remember, I can't remember what I'm marking, but I, I was then playing real deep line, holding midfielder. And um, Craig, I, th- I remember Craig coming out, out and really over, I thought it was over with the praise uh, of myself. So, oh, brilliant, blah, 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 you know, stuff like that. And I thought I'd done okay. But again, you know, and then we went on and um, the Latvia game, that's right. And then the Estonia game uh, got cancelled, didn't it? But then I uh, I done my knee and I was out for eleven months, so I missed you know the majority of the the, the qualifying for the ninety eight um, by being you know I did my medial ligament I had an operation so so I missed eleven months and in that time um, Paul Lambert came into the side and started and was playing the same position as myself um, and also I was I was coming up to be, be thirty four so yeah I. Um, I don't think, like I said, it, it didn't actually peter out for me. It was through injury more than anything. And with the the, the 12-month out I was for Scotland, likes of Paul Lambert, um, you know, played in there and played ever so well as well. So I had no, no you know, regrets about that. You weren't selected for the squad for the finals. You or McCoy, there, there's a story that goes round that Craig Brown told you. He was worried that you and McCoy would use it as an excuse to, to get bevied. Yeah. No, it won't bevied as much, I'll be honest. <laughs> I remember I, I met Craig, I, I, he was doing a um, uh, Q&A up at the place where I stayed in, just outside Glasgow. And, um, you know, I pulled him, well, I didn't pull him after, we were just chatting after him in, in car park, actually. We were both, we were both going home and uh, just chatting. Um, and he it, 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 it sort of alluded it to it. You know, he says, well, he says, the squad's coming up. You know, I've not played, I, 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 I've been back a little bit, but listen, I, I, I thought, um, I done okay, but you know, it, it took me a while to get back back over my knee injury. If I'm honest, but anyway, he just says, um, he sort of said, he says, but because I'd played in all the the games in '90, '92, '96, and I was featuring, you know, he thought it might be difficult for me to come along in '98 and just be a bit part player, you know, maybe get 20 minutes here and um, not be as involved or me feeling as important to the group. I think he meant really. And, and just, well, I wouldn't be. But that couldn't be any further for the truth. You know, if I'd have gone there as kit man, you know, it, it, it wouldn't have mattered. It would, it, you know, it'd have been great to go there. So that, I, I get, I didn't get picked because, um, you know, there were other players. I think, I think, what, I think he, he ended up picking, he, he, and in fairness to Craig, when he, before he, he came out, he rung me and he, he said he would ring me just to let me know either way and he rung me. And he, he, he sort of went through the group. He said, no, I've not played as much, which was right. And when I played, I'd done okay, um, but not probably reached the levels I'd done previously. So I, I, had no, I, I had no argument with that, really. But I was hoping it was for them reasons and not for what he'd said, because, you know, it do not matter if I'd have been... And especially the, the, the game, the middle game against uh, Norway, that was more like, a again, a British-type game. You know, it was going back to Scotland-Sweden. And I felt I could maybe have done done my part in that and, and played a part against the, the Norwegians, which would be more a physical and sort of open atom game. Um, but then he sort of said, well, because I noticed he didn't pick an extra midfielder and, and he picked Tosh McKinley, I think. Tosh had, but hadn't been playing for Celtic. So he picked Tosh and sort of told me I hadn't been playing, which was fair. Um, but he also said Colin Calderwood could play in midfield where I played. So he would actually So I, I got that. He wanted uh, slightly disappointed, but I... I I understood it, but the, the fact that, you know, that was sort of mentioned about that I wouldn't be, 
and I, you know, I won't be um, part of the group or feel as part of it and I might not be as committed to it was, couldn't have been any further from the truth. So I was a little bit disappointed in that, but I think later I've spoke to Craig, he, he didn't mean it like that. But, and Coyce is it, the other one. Coyce has always been... Sorry, on you go. No, on you go, sorry. So was it tongue-in-cheek when he said that about you and McCoyce then spending time No, it, it wasn't tongue-in-cheek. It, it was more... And maybe I took it the, 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 the way... Maybe I took it that way. Um, he didn't say, oh, if you don't go, you'll be on the bevy. Because that would... You know, that wasn't... That wasn't ever, ever going to be the case or anything like that. I just felt he thought that um, we might not be as... I don't know, really committed to it if you're not playing you know because the last thing you want is people who've, who've been there played regularly been key parts of things um, you look at Coyce obviously his goal against Switzerland and if he's coming at 98 and he's not playing is he going to be moping about because people can be like that but like I say from my own personality I wouldn't have been like that never in a million years would have been like that I'd have been delighted to be there and been as supportive as I could of the younger players or whatever it was um, but so I, I and I understood when I, I didn't go because I don't think I merited to go. I'll be honest. But on on Koisu's point of view, um, Koisu, when he, his last part of his, his last two months at Rangers, he went on an unbelievable scoring spree, and he, even on top of his game. So I, I felt for him because I think I think he and, and you know what it's like he, he can get a goal out of nothing, and if you need it against your Norwegians with twenty minutes to go, you sling him on and and, and let him uh, try to get a goal for you. So. I was probably more disappointed for, for Coyce that he didn't go than myself, um, but no, it was um, it was it was it was what it was, as I say, and it, it wasn't a major a major issue for me, if I'm honest. I interviewed Craig Brown for this podcast probably two at least two years ago now, uh, and he mentioned that not taking McCoyce was a big regret to to the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, and again, they underline that, and only Craig could tell you that. But why didn't he take him? What was the reason for taking? Because he can't have been on form. Because his form, as I said, when you look back, um, and it's only, again, because of the lockdown, you get a chance to look at things. He, his, his goal scoring, his form for Rangers in the last two months, because he'd not played regular before that, because Marco Negri played and scored 35 goals up to, to Christmas. So Koisi had a look in. In fact, Koisi was maybe going to go out on loan or there was talk of him and leaving Rangers. But then, like I said, from the from the last couple of months, his form was terrific. His goal-scoring form was, was, was superb. And he, on form alone, he, he merited to go. So, you know, that... I don't know. I, I, I didn't obviously pick the squad, but obviously Craig said he, he regretted it. Um, but it'd be interesting to see why he actually said he didn't take him in the end. I mean, I don't know who the strikers were then. Um, it could have been that uh, Jackson, Jury, Gallagher, uh, maybe someone else I can't quite remember off the top of my head. Would Scott Booth been a gone then, or would he? I don't know. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Let me just double check. Jackson was there. I spoke to him for this podcast as well recently. Jackson was there. Gallagher was there. Uh, Jury, Booth, yeah, and also Donnelly, Simon Donnelly. Yeah, well, Simon, good player, not a uh, proven goal scorer. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, they all, they're all pretty, but I say I, I can only go on how Coyce... Now, if you picked the squad in Christmas time, you'd have got it because Ali had not played. But as I said, I keep going back to the, the last couple of months, he was um, he was terrific. And, you know, I'm sure 
But listen, that's the manager's decisions. You, you, you live and die by them. And obviously Craig has said he regrets it. That's why. Well, uh, we'll just quickly touch on um, the Euros coming up. I know that we, I've kept you on here for a lot longer than I promised I would. Um, so there are a couple of talking points ahead of the Euros, especially now that we can take 26 players rather than 23. Given that your connections with Rangers and the the prominence that Nathan Patterson and the potential that he's showing, is he worth taking as maybe not a first choice right back, but at least a backup to Stephen O'Donnell? Yeah, I think going back to Euro 96, funny enough, um, not this is different, but I remember um, because it was in England, probably, I remember Scott Gemmell um, coming. I think the late Phil O'Donnell came, you know, just to help being around the place and, and getting a taste of. Um, you know, what it's like to be in the international settle because it was on the fringes of the squad. Maybe four, four of the young boys, a young centre-half from Aberdeen, I think, came as well, to being around it. So if you're going to have a squad of 26, you know, you have to be really unfortunate with injuries and whatever that you're going to use anywhere near 26. So do you use them other three places that you weren't expecting to bring the ones, the younger ones in that you think are going to be the future? I thought in the last, the last squad of the three games... I thought, and I understand why Steve Clark never did it, but I thought Turnbull might have just got in there just to be in and around so Steve could have a look at him in training and see what he was like. But listen, it's probably one of the, the strongest areas Scotland have got, you know, especially with McGinn's playing like that and, you know, playing in that area. Um, so on Patterson, I think obviously he's, the thing with Nathan, if he'd have been um, playing from now to the end of the season and been able to put himself in the spotlight because his, his performance has been excellent, um, he would have had a stronger case, naturally. I think O'Donnell's done fantastic well at Motherwell and I think, barring injuries, he will be the, the starting right. But it'd be more of a wing-back, I would imagine. We'll be mm-hmm. underdogs in most games. Um, not underdogs, but we won't be maybe flying forward with, with wing-backs. We'll be a bit more conservative, I would imagine, wing-back area. Um, but... Then you, you obviously, but as a manager, you're always quite loyal to the people that have got you there, usually. Um, but I don't think we're blessed for we're, we're loads. Um, obviously, the, the name blooming thing, the, the fullback at Sheffield Wednesday, Palmer. Palmer, who's obviously Wednesday look, depending if they beat Derby this week, look as all might be going down. I don't know. It's unfair on the kid to say, oh, he's playing for Wednesday and struggled. He might have had a good season. I don't know. But he hasn't played that much, Liam. Um, but I think what will go against Nathan is the fact that from playing really well, and he's not only doing it, you know, in the big games, he did it in Europe as well. So he's played, he's played well in them. Um, but now it's a, an extended twenty-six. I think there's a, a a possibility for Steve to put some of the young, like a Turnbull, like a Patterson. I don't know a Ryan Gold, you know, because he was only expecting to name twenty-three. So these are three bonus picks. Um, so even for looking forward, get get him to get him in, involved in the group, get him involved in the training, see how you work, see what you want from him. I think it's a good opportunity to do that. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I think as well with Patterson, for a while we were hoping. I think O'Donnell has, has earned the right to keep the jersey. He was outstanding in Serbia, and he will be the, the starter barring injury, I'm sure. But yeah. we've been looking for someone at Patterson's age to break through as a right-back and know that in two or three years' time, hopefully no later than that, that he will be the starter for Scotland. And I think yeah. that that will be the case. You know, he's, he, he looks that good. Well, well, with that logic, 
that's why I think it would be, you know, especially now, you know, Steve's got his, because I think he, I saw him quoted Steve the other, we say he had his 23 in his head, you know, barring any injuries mm-hmm. um, that he would be taking. So this is like a little bonus. And, and to get that bonus, I think you would look at then three of the younger ones that you think for the future can go and uh, make an impression. But you're also getting to see what they're like close up. You're getting to see them away in for what, two or three weeks in a, you know, tournament atmosphere, you know, training every day. And you get to, it's not just about the play because you can watch players. It's what they like as personalities. And I think this is a, is a good opportunity to look at likes of Nathan and, um, you know, Turnbull and, and the likes of that. The other hot topic, I think, is who goes as the spear striker. We'll have Shea Adams, fingers crossed, let's hope nothing happens to him between now and June. So Shea Adams, Lyndon Dykes, who's hit a bit of form, and then Ryan Fraser will probably go included as a striker, even though he's more of a winger. Then I think yeah. the, the last striking spot is probably one of Nisbet, Shankland or Griffiths. And th- there's a lot of debate and opinions flying around with this. Nisbet was included in the last squad, made his debut, Griffiths has more experience and probably is a more potent striker, but is he fit? And Shankland, of course, played a part back in the autumn when we beat Israel on penalties to get through to the final. So is that a toss-up for you between those three or is there one that you think should be in? Well, if I'm honest, watching... I haven't seen a lot of Lauren Shankland of late. Um, and then it's moved on from his Aberdeen time and coming away and then going down and, and his goals will speak for himself. Um, and again, sometimes it's... Having said that, cup semi-final, couple of league games. You know, if you, if you, you can finish on a, you know, a run of goals, run of chances. Um, I saw Nisbet at, at Ibrox for Hibs. He scored a terrific goal, and I thought he was excellent. You know, and, and I've only seen him. That was the only time I've seen him live. I've seen him highlights. So I think he's one that you know looked um, looked good. And for me, if it's Griffiths or two years ago, it's a no-brainer. Um, but. I keep going back to I can't get my head around when, you know, I don't know the ins and outs, what's happening at Celtic or what's happening with Lee. But when you go up to Ross County and you need a win or you need a goal and there's eight minutes to go or six minutes to go and, you know, he's a third sub coming on. He then goes and which you think, okay, he then goes on Aberdeen uh, and scores. And yet the old firm game last week, you don't even get a game. So it's just not had enough football for me. Yeah, and I know people say, well, he can do it. But again, Stevie Clark, you know, he'll want everyone um, in the squad, bang, full focus on them, uh, full focus on 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 what's in hand. Um, and again, he'll 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 speak to people at Celtic, and and I would imagine, um, you know, find out the ins and outs because it's it's a mystery to me why he's not played as much, you know, and, and obviously it's only, firstly, obviously Neil Lennon and and then. Uh, John Kennedy and the staff will know, you know, why he's not had enough game time, you know. So it's so for me on that basis alone, you know, I think out of them three, it would be Nisbet for me. Okay, right. Well, there's a, a wee quick fire question round here at the start, at the end that I do with all the uh, the former players. Uh, try not to think too long about your answers. Some of them naturally might have to weigh up options, but just answer as quickly as you can. Okay. So not this is not club career, just Scotland only. Who was your most talented teammate? I suppose talent-wise, it'd be McAllister, Collins, McStay, midfielders. <laughs> McAllister's a very popular answer for that one, actually. Um, who was your best pal uh, going away with Scotland? 
probably my room partner most of the time was uh, jukebox, Gordon Jury. Okay. What was your best performance in a Scotland shirt? Possibly the uh, Switzerland Euro 96. Okay. Uh, your favourite moment on the pitch for Scotland? It's got to be a uh, debut. Got to be uh, beating Argentina in the debut. Okay. Who is your toughest opponent up against? Um, for a, for a, Paulo Souza at um, Portugal. He played, I played against him twice for Rangers in Champions League with Juventus and the beaters 8-1. And then he beat us 5-0. Portugal beat Scotland 5-0. So he actually beat me 13-1 in three games. So I would say he was my most difficult opponent. Pa- Paulo Sosa, did you say? Yeah. Yes. Was that the guy that went on to manage a couple of teams in England? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. Leicester. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Not yeah, Kaiser Sosa. I'm getting mixed up with Kaiser Sosa, but Paulo Sosa. Sosa, Sosa, Sosa. Yeah, he managed Leicester. Yeah, I can picture him. Um, and whatever parameters you think you can go to here, anything that jumps out is your funniest moment away with Scotland. Or a really good off-the-pitch memory. Listen, I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure there are loads, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we used to get up to silly pranks. I, rem- I, I, I remember the, the, the Euro 92 one when we um, played Germany and we've got to travel up to our, I think it was North Shopping, to play his last game. Or we played Holland and we had to go up to to, to no shopping so it was about three hour four hours and uh, McCoy Scott um, done with the uh, drugs people so we're getting ready to to fly and him and Stuart McKimmy couldn't so they had to wait back so when we all got up to the um, the new hotel we were going to um, we check in and I, I think I might have been rooming with Jukie oh no I actually was rooming with Gary McAllister to be fair but a couple of us got McCoy's key and did all the childish pranks all the sugar in his bed and the tea, um, cling film over the toilet. <laughs> and the, probably the worst thing that you can do when you're away in hotels, took the uh, batteries out the remote control. You know what I mean? So he, <laughs> he, he turns, he, he gets up about two o'clock in the morning, goes in, goes to the toilet, cling film all over the toilet. You know, I like can imagine everywhere. Um, can't get a telly on, you know, anything, and he gets into his nice bed, and there's all his itching thing. So, <laughs> a childish like that, but but the best thing of that, I think he thought it was Billy McKinley and Darren Jackson for the, the rest of the trip. They were doing each other for fun, and me and Gone Jerry were just sat laughing, going, I "Can't believe what you're yeah. doing to each other." Got one over you. So, but- childish prank like that was uh, it was quite funny that you know putting giving giving somebody else the blame. Brilliant, yeah. Okay, look, Stuart, that's uh, that's been a great wander down memory lane. As someone that's played in nine major tournament games for Scotland, some great stories, and, and thanks very much for chatting to us. No, thank you. It's always nice to go down memory lane. Memory lane. Um, it's always <laughs> good to look back. So, yeah, thanks for the invite. Thanks for the offer. Sports Social Podcast Network.